so hype right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama! Oh my mama made it, ma! Anything's possible! Rain and Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. Thank you for making the show part of your daily routine. Whatever it is that you're doing right now, listening to the show, watching the show on YouTube, I'm very appreciative that you do participate, enjoy the show, and all of that stuff. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I'm also the author of the Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. Buy my book wherever you get books. You can buy a signed copy, customized message on my website, johncorrales.com, for $30. Today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app. Join me later this week on Friday afternoon to get in on the action. So as I said in yesterday's podcast, there's so much to get to when it comes to Ime Udoka's hiring and things that were said, specifically the pushing of the players, the players wanting to be pushed. And now we've got the added element of Wick Grosbeck going on to uh, 98.5, the sports hub, and kind of adding a little... uh, added spice to the mix, let's say. So I said yesterday I wanted to bring in a guest, so I am bringing in a guest. My friend, my former co-worker, Tom Westerholm, who uh, is at, over at Boston.com now and one of the hosts of the Geno Time podcast. Tom, what's going on, my man? Not much, man. I, I got to say, I love that you have your book just like ready to go. Like you can just pull that thing out, put it right. Yeah, just pop that thing right on the screen. I like That's, to read uh, it from time to time all over again, bask in the glory of my words. That's great. That's great marketing, man. I, I deeply respect it. Everybody gets to look at the beautiful cover and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can show people. It's, it's more just like, hey, look, Larry Bird's on the cover of my book. <laughs> I could just do this the whole time. You uh, John Corrales. Just, yeah. it's, you know, hey, like, just <laughs> sure. Um, so uh, let, let's just start in with it, man, because we all reacted the same way. It's like, we all watched the Udoka introduction press conference. We all transcribed, you know, behind the scenes. We all kind of split up some of the transcription stuff. And as soon as we all like pieced it all together, we all scrambled and we're like, okay, we're going to write about how he's going to push these guys <laughs> because that was, everybody had that. They, they want to be pushed. They asked to be pushed and you're going to do it. Oh, okay. So, uh, so much to unpack there. Because that's not usually what guys say at an introduction. Yeah, I mean, probably not. I, I am curious how much, um, you know, like, like obviously it's very easy, I think, for a player to say to a, a new coach, hey, push me. You know, like, hey, I, I want to be the best I can be. I need you to help me get there. Like, push me. And then, I mean, we'll see what it's like when, you know, literally push comes to shove, right? Like, um, you know, like we'll see how much they actually want to be pushed. I think that's going to be one of the interesting things about, you know, maybe the first couple of months of, of Yudoka's tenure is, okay, these guys said they wanted to be pushed. You said you're ready to push them. How does that go? Um, you know, kind of when rubber hits the road to use another cliche, but like, I do think that the, I, I do think that like the, the early 
indications. I mean, when, when Yudoka got hired, one of the things that everybody said about him was, look, this is a guy who even as an assistant coach wouldn't just tell people what they wanted to hear. Like he, he would actually like give it to players straight. That seemed to be something that Brad wanted, um, you know, and, and whether that's because Brad didn't feel like, you know, whether that's because Brad wanted that because he felt like he did a good job of that or because, you know, he wanted that because that was something that he felt was maybe a little lacking on his end, whatever that, whatever the case might be. Um, you know, that was seemed to be very much a focus of kind of the early reporting and some of the early leaks was this is one of the reasons why the Celtics wanted Udoka. So, yeah, right. I mean, it was, it was very interesting. So that in, in tandem with him just saying the word Kawhi Leonard in the same sentence as uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown got all of our uh, ears perked up and got us. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of funny because we, we have the story from the season and then after the season, we get we always get this like little, you know, sometimes it's, it's dribs and drabs. Sometimes it's an avalanche of information and it adds a layer of perspective to the season. So I feel like everyone is in agreement. You and I have talked on this podcast before I've joined your podcast to say this. No one expected Brad Stevens to leave coaching. Um, but one of the things that Wick Grosbeck said on the radio was that he kind of floated out there. Like he knew Danny was getting ready to, to hang it up and he kind of floated it out there to, to Brad. Cause he knew Brad was involved in some of the front office stuff. And he said, Hey, would you be interested? And Brad said, yeah, I would be interested, which means that there's some level of coaching that he was disinterested in. So we have these ingredients here, Tom, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what to make of this. We've got players who say, we want to be pushed. We've got a new coach coming in saying like, yeah, yeah, that's what these guys have told us. And I'm perfectly willing to do that. The outgoing coach kind of touting this guy's ability to do that after he left that job and said to the owner, you know, I'm, I, yeah, I'm interested in, in running the team this way. So put all that together for us. Just put a bow on that, will you? <laughs> <laughs> sure, easy enough. Um, no, I mean, I, I think that one of the biggest reasons, like just like this, and this is purely, you know, like uh, one of those reporters doing the, well, here's how I would feel about it. So this must be how Brad feels about it type things. But like, right. I really do think that as Brad's kids get a little older, as he's trying to, you know, spend more time with his family, I really do think that like a big part of this may have just been like, the NBA coaching lifestyle does not leave much room, you know, for anything else. Like I, I think it was during, uh, I think it was during Brad's introductory press conference as the president of basketball operations that um, either Wick or Pags, I can't remember which one said that they see, you know, the, the coaching as a hundred hour a week job. And they see the GM as the same thing. Like they see it as this like really intense thing. And uh, you know, like, and that was one of the reasons why they wanted to have separate coach and GM, which makes sense. But I also think, you know, that, that makes sense. And it's also why, you know, if you're a, if you're a guy who cares a lot about your family, if you're a guy who, who like wants to kind of, I mean, Brady's getting older, right? Like, like Brad's kids are getting older. So like, if you want to kind of see these last few years through um, and be home a little bit more, I think that makes a lot of sense to, to get out of it. So I, I, I still do think that that's a big part of it. Um, but I also think that this must have been just an exhausting couple of years for Brad. And I know, I mean, I asked him about it at his, at his introductory press conference and he, flat out denied it basically just said like, no, no, no. Like the bubble didn't have anything to do with this, but there was that report from Woj that 
uh, the, that the bubble took a lot out of Brad. And I think that that can only make sense, right? Like these last two years have been exhausting for everyone involved physically they, and, and emotionally. They've been exhausting for the players. You know, Brad's whole job is to prepare for basketball games, it, or at least <laughs> it was. Brad's whole <laughs> job was, was to prepare for basketball games. And he has had a lot of basketball games to prepare for, you know, over the last two and a half years. Like if he's burnt out, I mean, like raise your hand if you're not burned out over the last two years, given everything that's gone out. Right. Like, right, right. of course he is. So yeah, I can hundred percent understand, you know, a, a new situation, a new challenge, a new thing really looking attractive to him. So I, I still think that that's the bulk of it, but at the same time, you know, like we are starting to get these, you know, these leaks about what the Celtics were looking for, what Brad is looking for. And it does feel kind of telling um, when, you know, somebody who isn't me puts a bow on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it it is a uh, it is a, a, a hell of a story here because we're we are trying to piece this together. I see Brad Stevens. I think everything you said is is right about Brad. Like he took this job. He co- coaching in colleges is a lot, but you know you play a lot less. You can prepare for games. You can. It's a much more of a coach oriented game. You don't have to worry about how much money the guys are making and how that's going to infiltrate the locker room. You've got, sure, you've got year-to-year turnover, but you can pretty much count on what your roster is going to be from year to year. And you don't have somebody coming in going like, oh, hey, that guy that you like, I'm taking him away from you. And it's the middle of the season, but here's a new guy. Go. And you're like, oh, okay. So I I think there's some level of, I just see Brad as, as more basketball purist and he's he's had if he's not able to be a basketball coach because being a coach in the NBA I think is a lot different than being a coach in college and that's why not every coach from college can come into the NBA and work it's a different thing you the relationship building I've said it a million times here it's co-worker type relationship not coach player like we're normally used to um the money plays an aspect guys are playing for different motivations than what you're coaching for. Uh, and, and I think you, you can navigate that over the course of a season and be okay. But the past two seasons probably have changed a lot of perspective just by virtue of being in a pandemic. And also by taking him away from his family and putting him in a bubble and they couldn't go down there and having a season where you can't travel and have your family go with you. You have to be stuck. So some of the things that he, that give him enjoyment were taken away from him. I think it did. I think it all did wear on him. And now he's in a role where he can still do a lot of the same things that he did in college, but it's just, he doesn't have to go through the day to day minutia of, you know, the grind of coaching on the sidelines over and over and over and over again. And I think one thing that might be a little bit underrated in all this is, you know, you mentioned all the things that are different about coaching in college versus coaching in the NBA. The other thing is in college, the guys you bring in are your guys. Like you chose all of these guys. Like you went out and you got, you went, got on the road and you drove to, you know, Gary, Indiana, or you flew to Tallahassee, Florida or whatever it is. Like you went to places, you watched these guys, you talked to these guys, then you made an offer to these guys and you said, I think you are a perfect fit for what I want to do, right? right? So 
when Brad and you're not encumbered by the sorry to interrupt, but you're not encumbered by how much money you can pay them. So exactly. you're not well, your your choices are your choices are limited by what school you are at, but like yeah. you're you're still not limited. You know, you can still make a pitch to whomever you want. You're not limited to Tristan Thompson because right. he's going to take nine and a half million dollars. Right. I mean, I would argue that maybe Butler was a little bit more inhibited by how much money they could play a pair, uh, pay players than Duke or Kentucky might be, but that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, I, but should, like, have, I, think, I should have set that joke up a lot better for you. <laughs> yeah, you really should have stopped, so I could have just hit it off the tee, but I'll, I'll hit it swinging anyway. Um, yeah, no, I, I, but I do think that like that makes a big difference, and, and I think that that might be something that's appealing to Brad, right? Like, yeah, he's not going to be coaching this team, uh, but he gets to assemble the team that he wants to assemble now. And uh, now it's Ime's job to have to have to deal with that. So, um, I, you know, I mean, I think that's that might be part of it, too, is just like when, you know, Brad comes to the NBA. I mean, he did a really good job with those first few, you know, with those rosters in his first few years. But like if you look at those teams, they were kind of like college teams, right? Like where you had guys who were on like when the team was kind of look at the 2017-18 team right you had yeah. Al Horford who was like the least superstar max like attitude max player imaginable like he's, he's he's making a ton of money but he's not a max player attitude type guy he's just Al Horford and then you have you know the, all those guys who were on rookie deals so they're just making the money that they are able to make and then you have a bunch of guys you know coming off the bench who you know are are on you know, whatever, whatever deal they could, that they could scrape together. Like it's a lot more like a college team as things went on. I don't know. I mean, maybe things changed a little bit when, you know, when more money was involved when, when you know, Kyrie and Gordon and all, all those guys who were making max deals. I don't know. I mean, I, I, that's just obviously speculation. I don't know that that's the case, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if part of the reason that this was appealing for Brad is because now, you know, he, he gets to put together his team and, and he gets to put together, he, he gets to assemble the Boston Celtics roster and, uh, you know, whatever his vision for it is, is, is the actual, uh, the actual thing, uh, no matter how much influence he had in the, in the front office under Danny, this obviously is a much bigger thing. I, the, the Danny connection actually brings something to mind that I'm going to talk about in just a moment. After I tell people that this episode is brought to you by green room, green room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. It's free to download. Once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, insiders, all in real time. I'm hosting rooms for the Celtics once a week, Fridays. Sorry for not getting to you last Friday. I'm going to do it this Friday. So go ahead and download the Green Room app now, currently available everywhere. Be sure to create your profile, Twitter, join the NBA group for latest updates. Follow me at John Corrales. Get notified when my room goes live. You will not want to miss it. I'm planning again to be live Friday afternoon. So I can't wait to get your thoughts on this team. And if you don't know what Green Room is or what used to be called Locker Room, it's basically sports talk radio in your, uh, on your phone. You come in. I bring you onto stage if you want to ask a question, make a comment. There's a chat room, all of that stuff. We can have a nice, good conversation, interaction. So download the Spotify Green Room app and follow me at John Corrales. Green Room is changing the way we talk about sports. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. Today, the road to the finals. Our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it in only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this postseason. I'm recording this show before Bucks Hawks and Trey Young is out for game four. Now, we just watched the Clippers lose Vita Zubac and win. Thank you, Paul George, for 
going off and having the best playoff game of his career. We'll see if the Hawks can similarly uh, bounce back and rally without Trey Young. I do not believe this is going to be the case, but I'm going to grab Michelob Ultra and see. All right, let's bring Tom Westerholm back into this mix. And I think before the break, I was saying that uh, Danny Ainge actually took a, a similar path. Obviously, he was a former player, but he came in, started coaching. He had that that moment. Uh, who was it? Was it Robert Ori that threw a, a towel in his face on the sideline? Yeah, yeah. So it was it it went a lot worse for Danny Ainge. At least Brad Stevens never had a towel thrown in his face, but. If you, don't know what I'm ta- if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. I'm pretty sure it was Robert Ory. Just metaphorically. Ky- Kyrie just did it metaphorically. That's right. That's right. Um, but Ainge suddenly moved into the front office and people were like, what? What are you doing? Are you really even an executive? And Brad Stevens after, you know, I don't know how many, I forget how many years Danny was coaching, but Brad gets into the, you know, gets out of coaching. And we're like, wait a minute. I only saw you as a coach. I can't believe that you're really going to try to be this executive. And Danny Ainge did it pretty successfully for a very long time. So it's whatever the motivations for Brad are, whatever. Like he, everybody has their reasons and, and we can keep speculating. But here we are with a team that says they want it to be pushed. Whether Brad at the end was like, I don't have the energy to push these guys every damn day because they were playing. They were doing something every damn day and it's hard to push these guys buttons. Maybe he just ran out of gas and that's why he went upstairs. But here we are now with a team that said, please challenge us. And Yudoka coming in going, yeah, no problem. I'm into that. The, the relationships that he needs to build and he's already started to build because they were, you know, guys were on the select team and with FIBA and all that stuff. That's a, it's still a fine line here. It's one thing. And I mentioned this yesterday, but I want to get your take on it. It's one thing to say, yes, please push me, challenge me. And then when somebody challenges you, you go, oh, well, no, I I didn't mean that way. I I mean, like that. I thought we meant something completely different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like the first time your head coach barks at you in front of your teammates and you're like, well, that sucked. Like, I don't I don't <laughs> like I'm, I'm under contract for three more years. I have to deal with this for that long. Jeez. I want to try. When I said challenge us, I meant all of them. Us. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> yeah challenge Jalen. Don't challenge me. I'm good. <laughs> no, I uh, mean, like, I, I think that, yeah, I think that is a fine line. And, and Yudoka kind of, you know, hinted at that at one point he was like, you know, what, you know, what might inspire one guy might embarrass another guy. And you kind of have to know that about, you know, guys. And any, any, again, he kind of hinted at that when he was talking about the differences between Jalen and Jason and Marcus and just, you know, how they're all different people and how they kind of bonded over their differences, which I thought was interesting. So, you know, I think, I mean, again, we can't know until he actually starts coaching, which is one of the challenging things about analyzing everything about Ime Udoka at this point. But, you know, he does seem to certainly, at least, at least he, he has paid lip service to understanding how, how different this you know, like how challenging it is to coach a room full of personalities. Like this is not, you know, this is like, even if this is Jason Tatum's team, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's team, that doesn't mean that, you know, Grant Williams is like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That doesn't mean that, you know, like insert whatever, you know, Evan Fournier, insert whatever player they bring in is going to be like those guys. So, um, you know, he certainly like he, 
he's you know seems to understand that and I think being able to to walk that line and and really put that understanding into practice is going to be one of the things that kind of uh, you know def- defines how successful he will be in his first couple of years. I find it interesting that he he specifically also mentioned like being more vocal after we had this whole big thing about Tatum and uh, it was Chad Finn that wrote the piece like if only. Tatum was, you know, more KG than Kobe or something like, or more, or more, whatever Kobe than whatever he was, whatever he was saying, he was saying basically be more fiery. Um, and I thought it was interesting that, you know, after Tatum coming out and saying, look, I am who I am and that's who I'm going to be. And you don't have to be, uh, whatever people think you should be to be successful. And Brad Stevens comes in and is like, yeah, I a hundred percent agree with Jason Tatum. And now all of a sudden it's no, these guys need to be pushed. And, and Yudoka says, you know, that we, sometimes you do need to be more vocal. I mean, I'm going to be interested to see how that changes. If it changes some of the people and, and it's not just Tatum, but Jalen Brown, I don't think is, he, he talks to the team, but I don't think he comes across as, overly vocal either, but on the Tatum to smart level of vocal, because Marcus smart is clearly going to be your top level vocal guy. I think Jalen Brown, I don't even know if he's halfway to Marcus smart, but Tatum Tatum for sure. If we're talking about challenging guys, that's going to be somebody that, that needs to be challenged. I think in a way that, Hey, you you want to be this guy, you want to be the superstar you're going to have to step up and take a little bit more of a vocal leadership role, not just yelling at the guys, not just be, but like on the floor, being a little bit, a little bit bigger on the floor, being a little bit bigger. I hate to say this with the media, like you got to come out there and sometimes you got to be the guy that takes the slings and arrows and doesn't just give the canned answers. You got to be able to take, the the mantle drive the narrative yourself and take control of when things are going to crap you got to be the one that's up front being like whatever like you got to be in control you're the face of the franchise you can't just be the guy that goes to the media and says yeah well and just two sentences or two words he's gotten better but i i think that the the highest level leaders are the ones who will stand up and say Hey, yeah, I got to do this. I got to do that. We got to, you know, and, 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 and take, you know, give some guys a chance to walk out the back door every once in a while. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think especially that last point is an interesting one because yeah, I think there is a lot of value in being the superstar that other guys can, um, you know, that, that, that like can take the blame on a, on a night when, you know, maybe it was somebody else's fault, but you know, maybe that other guy doesn't deserve to like, you know, maybe like this is your team type thing. I, I guess I'm not sure I, I totally buy the premise that he has to be everything, you know, that he has to be a leader in that way, unless that's what he wants. Like if he wants to be a leader, then I agree with everything you said. But I also think like, I mean, how much of a leader was Kawhi, right? Like in Toronto, in, um, you know, in San Antonio, like, was he a leader? Like, I don't really know. Like, I, I don't know, you know, like how much he dictated the the personality of those teams, you know, kind of the uh, like the, the toughness level, the whatever, you know, the personality of those teams, the character of those teams, whatever you want to say. And yet he was a superstar 
who led those teams to championships, was unquestionably the best player on championship teams. I mean, he went to Toronto and just was like, okay, yoink, championship's mine now. Like, I mean, like, he's he's that good, right? And I think I think there is room for Tatum to be that more than, you know, some fiery, like, everybody, you know, get behind me. I'm, I'm gathering everybody up into a circle, like, you know, for this free throw. Hey, hey, get over here, get over here. We got to talk, you know. I don't know that I don't know that he has to be that guy, um, you know, for the Celtics to be a championship team, for him to accomplish everything that he wants to accomplish, you know, as a team and individually. Like, I, I think there is some room for him to just be great at basketball, which is what he is. And like, you know, great basketball players sometimes win. So I don't know. I, I, I'm curious how that plays out, because like I think the Celtics do need more vocal leadership on the floor. I'm not sure how much that needs to be Tatum and how much that can be like other guys while Tatum is just like, you know, kind of a quiet superstar. Like we've seen that archetype work before, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And that, look, and, and I do believe that you can get that leadership from other places. I'm going to push back a little bit on Kawhi because in Kawhi in San Antonio had Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker there at the same time. And those guys were established as the guys who were going to do the talking. Kawhi rose up. And then when he joined the Raptors, they already had Kyle Lowry there as like the face of the franchise. So yeah. Kyle could go out there and and be the guy who who handled all of that stuff. While while Kawhi came in, rose the level, you know, all all of all the boats and got the championship and bolted. But it's not that Tatum needs to be the only one, but he needs to be more of one, in my opinion. It just needs to be a little bit more of a guy. This is part of it, man. This is part of it. You're going to go out there. You're going to make all the commercials. You're going to go out there. You're going to you make a, an insane amount of money, especially in the next contract when you get that new TV deal and you throw, you know, whatever. You might be making $50 million a year for God's sake. Like that's, that's part of, that's part of the deal. Like the, and, and you don't just get to coast in every, in, in, in that facet. Uh, when you're a superstar, when you're the main guy and look, is he going to be Marcus smart? Is going to be the captain of the team? No, but you're the guy that's out there dropping 25 and 30 and carrying the team or not carrying the team on off nights. Like you, you, you have to be, your voice carries weight. You just have to understand that your voice carries weight, especially as you get older, your the team is pushing you as their MVP. You, you have to, I think my opinion have a little bit, just a little bit more, or just a little bit more. Like the team appreciates when you're the guy that's up there and saying, you know what? Like, like the end of 300 King Leonidas standing there like this as all the arrows boiled, you know, bang down on him. Like sometimes you got to be that guy. You don't have to do it every night, but sometimes you have to be that guy. I'm going to let you respond after I tell people about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market, bar none. <laughs> Get it? Bar none? Anyway, they have nine delicious flavors uh, with all sorts of different flavor profiles. If you like coconut, if you like fruit, like peanut butter, or chocolate, it's all, all different flavors there. Go to BuiltBar.com regularly because they're constantly dropping different flavors, different styles. They get the little bites. They got the marshmallow things. It's, it's crazy it's how many. And they're all delicious. They're all good for you. Somewhere between 130 to 180 calories, you're going to get 17, 18 grams of protein, 
five grams of sugar or so, five grams of net carbs or so. If you're on a keto diet, no problem. These are approved for that. If you've got a nut allergy, no problem. They've got plenty of flavors that work for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15. You're going to get 15% off your next order. LOCKED15 gets you 15% off at your next of your next order at BuiltBar.com. Use the money that you save to head on over to bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. So NBA playoffs still going on. Stanley Cup finals are going on. WNBA, anything you want to bet, international sports, it's all there on Bet Online. Use the promo code Locked On when you sign up for free and make your first deposit. Then you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. Locked On gets you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you sign up at Bet Online. So if you put in $100, $50 is, $50 is your welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the game at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Please gamble responsibly. Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. The Locked On Podcast Network's draft coverage is going to be better than any draft coverage anywhere that's ever existed. That's my guarantee. And it starts on July 19th with the ultimate mock draft presented by Locked On and Odyssey. It features analysis from the GOAT of NBA mock drafts, Chad Ford. We've got Scal on the mix. And we got Ryan McDonough on the show. Uh, all week long, Locked On NBA local experts will make their selections and trades, run it like a full actual first round mock draft. Uh, it's all going to be on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Maybe I'll find my way to trade into the first round, see if the Celtics can pull that off. I don't think the Celtics are trading into this draft, though. What do you think, Tom? No, I don't think so either, which is which is too bad because if they traded into the first round, they could potentially draft my guy, Bones Highland, who his you name have- is Bones. <laughs> his name is Bones Highland. And which he's a my- my, my, if you like him, then he's a shooter. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Have you ever liked a big man? You you like exclusively shooters? No, 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 no. I like big men all the time. I was <laughs> one of my big swings and misses over the last few years is that I was huge on Mo Bamba. <laughs> I still believe. <laughs> uh, that's right. That's right. One of my favorite exchanges on Twitter recently was between you and uh, I think Sam Packard, who you said you know Bones Highland. And he was like, is that a player or like a punk rock band? And you said something like, "If you, the fact that you don't know makes it all that much more better or something like that. Like that little exchange was was hilarious. We need more Bones Highland talk. Like that's... Um, Buddy, you got the right guy on the podcast for some Bones Highland talk. <laughs> <laughs> I got to watch some Bones Highland footage. So, right, okay. Right. So, so um that was like an impromptu Jason Tatum discussion, but it's all part of the the pushing him. Uh, I, I'm, I, I think that when we talk about pushing people, that's how Jason Tatum's going to be pushed. Jalen Brown is going to be pushed. How do you think? It's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things with Jalen that I think is really interesting is that he seems to like, uh, like I don't know this, this. He seems to kind of push himself in a lot of ways where he just he, he gets does. better. You, like. He just like he just gets better every every year. Um, you know, I, like I, I don't know how sometimes. Like I, I don't know how he got so much better this year as opposed to last year. Like 
you know, he was, he was good last year. And then this year he was awesome. Like, I, like, I, I don't know why, like this year he was a no questions asked all-star, right? Like, I, I don't know how um, in like the month and a half that he had off, he just got better. And he, he'll tell you it's just opportunity. And, and maybe it was, I always kind of feel like when guys say that kind of stuff, they're saying, man, I always had it in me all along. And sometimes it's like, well, also you got better, dude. Like, it's like, right. could it, it could be both, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think the other thing about Jalen too, is that Jalen is a very smart guy, a very self-assured guy, um, you know, who, who I think probably has pretty strong opinions on, on what he needs to improve on. And, um, you know, like, I'm curious how much like strong, you know, like, like, like a strong Jalen, you need to be doing this right now. Like how, how much that would help. Or if, you know, you can just kind of let Jalen be Jalen. I don't know. Um, I, I don't really know what that dynamic will be like, but I do think, there's a lot of self-motivation there with Jalen to get better and to, and to keep pushing himself. And I think that's, you know, if, you know, if you're, if you're talking about, uh, like, I know a lot of people are talking about a Jalen Damian Lillard trade right now. If you're, if you're talking about that, you need to be aware that Jalen is a guy who pushes himself very hard and he is this good already at 24. And you're talking about trading for a 30 year old on a you know $45 million. Contract. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, um, you know, like Jalen is that kind of guy. And I think that has to be factored in anytime you're talking about, you know, a ceiling or, you know, like what, what he might be next year. Just again, remember that he's a guy who gets better all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think when it comes to pushing Jalen, I think it's going to be part of how he fits in the offense. And and that's going to be that, that that's something I want to talk about here with Udoka because I, I wrote about that on Boston sports journal a little bit. He comes in and, and one of the reasons why people were talking about, we need a new coach in Boston is because Brad Stevens offense has generally been, uh, a little bit more of a struggle than the defense this past year, not uh, notwithstanding. But the the I guess ironic thing is that you you I don't know if that's a proper use of the word ironic, but you bring in Ime Udoka, who is an assistant coach on the 2014 Spurs. The 2014 Spurs is exactly what Brad Stevens has been dying to replicate offensively. In the in Boston since he got here, and I just wonder if part of Brad Stevens hiring him is, hey, I couldn't get these guys to do this. You were there. Can you do it? And part of the pushing is, how do you push somebody like Jalen Brown, who has been, I think, improving. Obviously, all of the things that you say are correct. Now, how do we get him to improve? within that style of the offense and improve his passing and get him to use those skills instead of pulling up for those mid-range shots, which for a while were great. But, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be Chris Paul, Kevin Durant level mid-range guy for consistently. If he can be, then great. If he is again next season, then great, fine. But more so, push Jalen Brown to when you get into the middle of that paint, can you take that extra dribble or can you sacrifice yourself a little bit by taking another extra dribble, a step to pull in that defense? I know you're looking to score buddy, but spray it, get that ball to the corner. Do you trust the people who are in that corner to do the right thing when they get the ball? And he was doing a lot of that stuff early on, you know, early on in the season, I felt like he was really um, drawing defenders, kicking out, doing all that stuff. And, you know, I mean, I, I think as, as the season went on, part of the thing that happened was that the team had like, like, I mean, did did they ever have a complete roster? I mean, like, like, like you never knew. 
Yeah. <laughs> his, you know? it, like his role changed 400 times during the season. So, um, you know, I'm sure that was difficult as well, but no, I, I think you're, I think you're right. And I think you're right that that's one of the things that, that Brad is looking for. I thought it was, I thought it was very funny that Ime Yodoka in his introductory press conference looks at his, his now boss and is like, yeah, man, 27th and assists. That all, that was all you guys could do. Like, geez, we gotta, we gotta improve on that. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, really I, wish we knew what was going through Brad's head in that moment. Cause like a part of me was like, I want him to turn to, to Yudoka and be like, yeah, I'd like to see you do better with that group. That was my thought. That was my thought watching that. I was like, all right, buddy, good luck. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, but I do think that's, you know, that's definitely part of it. I mean, Brad, you know, he spoke glowingly of, of the, the jazz this season, um, just based on the fact that they like, kind of resembled those yeah. Um, yeah. like a, a poor man's version of those Spurs teams. So yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's certainly part of, you know, what, what Brad is thinking, I would imagine. And um, certainly something that I'm, I'm sure they would love to see from Jalen. And I, I think, again, I do think Jalen's passing got a lot better this year. And I, I think, again, if, if they can stay even somewhat more healthy this season, I think there's a good chance that we start to see, um, you know, another, another step up in that regard. Let's wrap this up by by getting into one more thing that Wick Grosbeck said, which was he expects he expects a lot of movement this July. Now, Wick's also the guy who made the fireworks comment uh, a few years ago when there were no fireworks, and for probably two years or so, maybe maybe more, the fireworks became the joke because Wick's like, "Yeah, man, I expect fireworks," and it's like, "Nope, there was nothing." <laughs> Not a single thing. And I don't see a lot happening this summer. I think we have the possibility of the Evan Fournier, and that's going to get resolved. And maybe you pull a sign in trade and you get a TPE out of that. And then, I mean, how many guys are actually going to be moving? Are you, you Tristan Thompson? Are you, are you just going to flip Al Horford after everything that we had? You know, are are we going to welcome back Al Horford and put Al Horford things all over our social media? You know, the Celtic social media and, and and introduce him again, just so Brad can turn around and be like, "Yeah, we're moving you. We're putting you into the Knicks cap space." Sorry, you know, like I, I don't see what else is. I see Fournier, I see Tristan Thompson, and then I think you maybe you you can use one of the you know the rest of the Hayward TPE. And you can sign someone with the taxpayer MLE. So there, I mean, I guess that's four moves for an offseason. That would be a lot technically, but I think those are it. And then you go into the season and say, okay, let's see how do we look by January. And and then we can kind of figure out between then and the trade deadline. Is there something else that we have to do, or do we just take it into the offseason? I mean, it would be insanely cold-blooded for Brad to bring in Al Horford, the guy that he loved back when he was the coach of Boston, bring him in, have this big press conference and make it look like the Celtics are definitely keeping this guy. Like, man, it would be – and then to just like completely Danny Ainge heel, you know, chair out of nowhere, just get this guy off my team. Uh, that would be incredible. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be the cold that, – that would rival – that would rival Isaiah Thomas. It, it, you know, absolutely that, not. Absolutely nothing will rival Isaiah Thomas. Like okay, okay, yeah, right. Isaiah also just like 
like god bless the man he never like really had a job again after that that was no, that's true that's true that was, that was a it still would be really cold it would still it would be cold yeah very cold no i mean i think the the funny thing about wick is that he, he seems like incapable of stopping people from like raising their expectations right like he just always does this like <laughs> like you know he comes into this offseason where again like you said I just it doesn't seem likely that they're going to do much. <laughs> like I don't see a I mean it feels like part of the reason they traded Al uh, Kemba for Al Horford was to to make more room so they could sign Evan Fournier at which point they just have like no other space to do anything. Like if they sign Evan Fournier right. like this is the team and you know maybe there's some stuff they can do around the edges again like you said with Tristan's contract but I mean they you know they traded out of the draft and, you know, part of that certainly seems to be, you know, contract based and just like, you know, having too many young players as it was like, yeah, I, I don't really see a, a path to them making any big deals unless like the exact right, you know, superstar comes along and they want to make like a, like a huge swing for something, um, you know, then maybe, but even that like just feels like a long shot, especially again, given all the things they've said about, you know, the pillars of the franchise being Jalen and Jason and, um, you know, just how the, you know, just like what they want to do with this team and, and how they want those guys to be, you know, like how Wick said in that same interview, like we want both Jalen and Jason to retire as Celtics. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to see like a lot of stuff happening. Um, but I mean, you know, to, to, to Wick's, you know, to Wick's point, Maybe just the fact that, like, hey, maybe the Celtics will be moderately healthy next year. Like, maybe, maybe that's enough of a change in a roster that, uh, you know, right. that yes, like this team is this roster is going to look a lot different in August because you know most people are healed by that point. So that that look, I think you've said it. Everything everybody's been saying it. The Celtics just by not having the crazy schedule, by getting healthy and having some lineup stability. You know, I, I, I like Kemba Walker. I, th I still think he's got basketball left in him, but you know, also the Celtics not having to dance around. He's playing, he's not playing, you know, no back to back that you know, last season, you talked about it before Jalen Brown was doing all this stuff before, you know, at the, at the beginning of the season, as soon as Kemba Walker came back in, it was like, all right, hit the brakes. How do we, how do we integrate Kemba Walker? Now, all of a sudden Jalen Brown's like, standing in the corner again where he wasn't standing in the corner before where, where does all of this go? So the schedule being better, the lineup being a little bit more stable guys, just being generally more healthy and Hey, uh, Romeo Langford, Aaron Neesmith, those guys coming in and being useful players. If they can come in and be good enough to earn 15 to 20 minutes a game, that changes a lot. That changes a ton. And if you bring back Evan Fournier in a regular role, that changes a lot. Like, a lot of a lot of improvement will come before Ime Udoka even does whatever he's going to do, you know. And and then if you get the pushing and the maybe offensive tweaks and maybe using these guys a little bit differently, then who knows where it goes? But it's I don't think it's I don't think it's really a magic formula here. I think that they've got there's a lot of stuff that went wrong last season that was nobody's fault. And then Yudoka is going to come in to fix the stuff that was somebody's fault, whomever whomever's fault it was. And you combine those two, and and I still think they could be a pretty good team. Like they, I don't know if they're good enough to be a top team. We'll have to see how the summers go because these other teams have to make their moves. But they'll be pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I like you said, I've been saying this for a while. I think I think there's a very reasonable chance that like Jason Tatum is just so good next year that they are kind of a top team. Like Jason Tatum is that guy. Like he's so he's so good. And I think when you start to look around at the rest of the roster, you know, more time with the roster for Evan Fournier, guys who come in at the trade deadline a lot of times struggle the rest of the way. Like it is hard to change teams and be like a real impact player. And he was still pretty good. So I think, I think he'll be, you know, like he could, assuming they re-sign him, which I, I think is obviously the goal. Um, you know, I think he'll have a, a good season. I think you look at guys like, like Romeo, like, um, you know, like Aaron Neesmith, like Peyton Pritchard, who actually get to have summer league this year, who get to go do all that stuff. And, um, you know, who gets a, like study plays that they didn't get to study, you know, before, like, yeah, I, I think there are a lot of pieces in place for this to potentially be a good team, especially, I mean, and we didn't even talk about Rob Williams. If, if he's healthy, I think this team's, you know, right. like right. good Lord, like this team's all of a sudden got a ton of, uh, you know, a ton of depth, a ton of good stuff. So yeah, I I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that this team has a lot of reason to be optimistic and not a lot of reason necessarily to make moves this off season. Again, like you said, Maybe if things aren't going well during the season, maybe you take another look at it at the trade deadline. But until then, I mean, I think you at least have to take a look at what you have, especially now that, you know, you've traded Kemba Walker, you've traded kind of the one piece that just didn't necessarily feel like um, it fit perfectly. You know, now you've got something that might make sense. Here, here's, I'm going to end with this. There's one stat that I, I just quickly found today that um, might just be the difference between the Celtics great offense and not a great offense. Jason Tatum in the regular season isolated 18.5% of the time and scored 0.82 points per possession, which was, it's a terrible number. That's just horrible. Um, and it prompted me to write, Jason Tatum is bad at isolation. He should stop doing it. Well, shortly after I wrote that, Jason Tatum went into the playoffs and suddenly isolated 39% of the time and scored 1.21 points per possession, which is an outrageously good number. And it's like, oh, well, all of us. So it might just depend on Jason Tatum to say, like, is he going to be the 0.82 points per possession guy in isolation or how much closer he's going to be to 1.21 points per possession, which I didn't even check where that would land in relation to everybody else. But God, that's got to be near the top. Uh, if Tatum so basically the NBA's top offense projected out. So, <laughs> right. Like so, I mean, that, Jason Tatum and ISO is the NBA's greatest offense. Right. 120 points per game for uh, for Tatum there, uh, which would be a record. Good man, holy cow! That's pretty damn good. Uh, <laughs> so the the Celtics offense might just rest on how how good is Tatum when he just decides to take over. Uh, all right, Tom Westerholm, Boston.com, Geno Time Podcast. My good friends, thank you for hopping on as always. Thanks for having me, man. And with that, I will say goodbye to Tom and goodbye to you and say thank you for listening and watching on YouTube. Please subscribe wherever you have that opportunity. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like, rate, review, all of that stuff. And share the podcast. Tell all of your friends that they should be listening to and watching the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.